What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're joined by none other than Joseph the Cool Guy, Rich, Bo the Handsome Man, Giffen, and it's me, your co-host, Brayden. And here, we are talking about Civil War, the comics, issues number one through seven. How you guys doing this week? I feel like a completely new man. I am now... No longer, it's your boy Joey, you know? It, it, I'm officially Joseph Rich, we've made it, Bo. Yeah, I wish you would have given a heads up for that, uh, your boy Brayden, because <laughs> I, I was not expecting that, but I loved it. Sometimes you just gotta switch it up and see if they catch it, you know? Gotta, gotta give them a little bit, of, little bit of hoo-ha. I was 100% prepared to do this podcast as it's your boy Bo, but now, I mean, I feel like I need to yeah, adapt a whole new persona. Unfortunate. Guess we're on the fly yet again. Yeah, but I'm doing great this morning. I've got my coffee here as always. I did switch it up today, and I I added a splash of uh, peppermint bark rum chata. Mm. <laughs> great addition his, to a cup of coffee. Getting his Saturday morning started right. Man, the only thing <laughs> that could have described the amount you put in that was a splash. That was too many words, Joey. You should never have that many words with your coffee. Peppermint rum. Peppermint rum. Is it delicious? Okay. It is it is delicious, actually. It's uh and, and I did just add a just a splash, not too much. It's Saturday morning. But <laughs> Christmas vibes from it. Is, it. is it Christmas in a cup? Is that how you would describe it? The, the bottle of peppermint bark rum chata does look like Christmas. It's like a, a candy cane design around the bottle. But no, it's pretty good. It's just like a uh like peppermint creamer in your coffee basically mm. i'm all mm. for additives in coffee as you all know so mine is a uh, only cinnamon churro sweetener or creamer but i am still all for it cinnamon mine tastes churro like creamer yeah that's that reminds me have you guys seen the new churro dipped uh ice cream cones at, at dairy queen i have not tried them but they look delicious no I live like 30 seconds from a Dairy Queen, though. I might have to walk over there later and try that out. Oh, well, this is not Dairy Queen over DC. This is comics over <laughs> coffee. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the only thing that's uh, seasoning in my coffee is it feels like my Keurig spit like some of the leftover hot coffee grounds into the bottom of it. So I'm getting some, some gritty surprises with a couple sips. Not the best cup, but you know what? It'll do. Yeah, that is the the downside of the Keurig. You do get some of those loose grounds in there quite frequently. I found. Mm, it's like I'm, it's like I'm chewing on it. <laughs> it, it. It adds character. It's good protein, you know. I can feel the hair growing on my chest as we speak. And Brady, how you All doing right. this this morning, bud? I'm doing well. I got some some good comic some good comics in this week. Really enjoyed. Uh... Really enjoyed uh, the readings, and I'm excited to talk about them. So, what did you guys? Uh, what do you guys want to get started with this? How you want to? How you want to talk? Well, should I give a uh, a brief recap of the first kind of portion of this storyline? I've got this divided into roughly four different sections of this, but we we probably could have talked about this one all at once. But we're gonna stick with the theme from last week. Break this up a little bit. So I will remind the viewers what we're talking about there, Joey. Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about the Civil War storyline here. We once again read the, the 
the, the Civil, Civil War storyline. Boom. <laughs> Civil War number one, not Civil War number two. When I was looking on Unlimited, I didn't realize that there was like a uh, a 2015 version, like basically with, with Secret Wars, that like the, it was an alternate universe where the Civil War never ended. So um, I did a recap of this last night, rolling into this morning, bright and early, just to get all seven comics. But uh, I might have to do a little. A little personal reading this week and, and dive into that one. Is that one that you've read, Joey? That is, it is not. I, and also, this storyline was not one that I had read previously, actually. I, no I knew the, the premise. Um, I was thinking about reading it back after the Civil War movie came out, but I kind of did some research and just saw that it was you know fairly close to the movie. And so I decided to dive into something else at the time i forget what I, I was going through like my uh my marvel cosmic phase where i was reading every single space marvel comic issue from like the 60s through the 90s jeez oh, that's a yes that's a assignment right there <laughs> but we we've talked in the past about how i like to you know give myself next to impossible things to read when i'm reading in, in comics all right, well, the Civil War event, and again, we did just read the Civil War title this week, not the entire 98-issue event, uh, so we will be sticking to the Civil War 1-7 through seven title, like Brady mentioned, so if you'd like to read along, please pause the podcast right now and go read Civil War 1-7. through seven. So at the start of this story, the New Warriors, a, a group of superheroes that have a reality TV show, they try to go out and capture a group of supervillains to basically boost their TV show's ratings. Uh, One of those villains, Nitro, blows himself up, taking the New Warriors and hundreds of civilians out in the process. This whole thing is caught on tape, obviously. They were doing this on a TV show. And so public sentiment towards superheroes starts to shift towards the negative. Um, Johnny Storm is attacked by some random people on the street just because he's a superhero. And there's this massive outcry that causes the government to mandate a superhero registration. You are either going to have to register and basically receive government training and essentially become a government employee as a superhero, or you will be declared a criminal. Tony Stark backs this idea and kind of leads the charge after he's confronted by the mother of a young boy that died in this explosion. However, Captain America decides this goes against every civil liberty, and he takes out a large group of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents when they approach him to basically ask him to lead the charge in in hunting his fellow heroes down. He says, no, not today. He takes out the entire group of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and goes underground. And our heroes start to divide as they prepare for this civil war. And so we'll we'll pause right there to discuss basically the first issue of this run, um, where you know we we learn that the government is going to start forcing our heroes to to register, and we start to see this divide. Uh, so boys, what were what were your thoughts as we got into this storyline? So my thoughts were nostalgia because I'm sitting there thinking about the MCU, thinking about Civil War, and I'm like, oh. This is the Civil War story. This is awesome. I'm so excited. Getting, you know, getting into it. And even, I, Bo mentioned it at the start, even in, like, the first episode, or the first issue, I believe there was uh, some some differences in the, uh, 
in, in the movie and the in the comics, and I was I was there for it. I was there for it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there were a few differences, but overall, I would say the movie stayed fairly true to this story. Um, the even you know the the mother of the young child that died. Uh, obviously, we don't have the same tragedy that sparked the civil war in the movies because that was you know the the oh geez i'm blanking on the the name of that country that they kind of level in in age of ultron that kind of is the spark of the civil war movie but instead we have the new warriors being blown up in um stanford connecticut which every time i hear stanford connecticut i just think of the office stanford connecticut It, Bo, it is, thoughts on the uh, the opening issue of this run here? I think that you were referencing the is it the Sokovia uh, Accords and basically the Avengers' unfortunate disaster causing that that happened in that area. Relaying back to the, the Scarlet Witch and Pietro as well. Man, I miss some MCU. Um, but I, I I love this. This was my fourth time reading this comic series. Um, I own these in physical print um, just because I love the cover art and the, the internal art of it as well, too. But I actually read again this time on Marvel Unlimited and enjoyed it just as much. Um, just for something about this art, I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but like these super bold black outlines on the characters is a lot different in this just these issues and some of the other ones that we've read. Um, but it just it pops and it's it's well drawn and. Um, the storyline itself is just fantastic. I think it's super cool. You get to see every individual's kind of take on this and the, the teams divide. And there's some unexpected yet some predictable kind of team ups where you see like the Hulk gravitating towards um, her Avengers team and, and Tony Stark, knowing that she is that law abiding citizen. And then uh, Captain America with a lot of the street level uh, people taking his side with his secret Avengers and this, that's that's the split up in the team off that I, I truly loved um, I, I think there's some really really cool character development with this and yeah we'll talk more as, as the summary continues but this this first issue was fantastic and I think it just kind of hits you with that immediate boom bam wow factor and you don't expect this mass casualty necessarily to happen and the way that our heroes kind of respond to that is, again, just really well written, in my opinion. Yeah, so, I mean, we mentioned these these teams starting to form. You know, you've got Tony, Team Tony, Team Cap, Team Iron Man. I don't know how you want to refer to these teams here, but we do start to, you know, basically see these teams split up and, and you know, our heroes dividing against each other in this civil war. Um, so, you know, Captain America, we mentioned, he starts leading this underground group, continuing to fight crime, putting, they're putting away villains while they're being hunted, um, just kind of overall badass stuff by these secret Avengers formed by Captain America. But yeah, the, the act, the Superhero Registration Act officially goes into effect, and we, and we see these groups, you know, the Young Avengers are, are part of Captain America's uh, secret army, kind of, they, they are a group that does not register, they are taken into custody and taken to jail, basically. Um, Cap is joined by Hercules, Daredevil, Goliath. They start going on these undercover missions to free some of these captured heroes. And, and then Tony is joined by you know, basically 
the brain super group of uh, Reed Richards and, and Hank Pym. This is the group that's kind of leading the charge on the government side of things here. And they are tasked with basically figuring out how to bring in some of these other superheroes, these rogue heroes. And one of those deci decisions that they make is to create this new character that I guess is referred or called Gal or not Goliath. Uh, it is called Ragnarok. It is a clone of Thor. Um, but before we started recording, I did look up to confirm before this Civil War storyline, Thor did die in a Ragnarok event. And, and so they have now cloned Thor and uh, brought him back to fight against these Captain America rebel group of heroes here. But perhaps the most surprising move on Team Tony here, uh, our beloved Spider-Man. He has worked for years to keep his secret identity under wraps, even though we did joke about this in a, a few weeks ago that it, everyone knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. However, after this story, everyone does know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. He unmasks himself on live TV in an effort to bring people onto the side of, you know, registering. He, he says, look, I'm doing it. I'm coming out and telling you who I am. You all should too. Um, and so Peter joins up with Tony as well. And then, you know, we get the first battle between these two groups and they meet in an, an epic showdown. Tony faces up against Cap hand to hand and basically just destroys Captain America. Uh, but this all happens right before Ragnarok, our good old cloned Thor, kills hero Goliath, and the first superhero blood is officially shed in this war. So I'll, I'll pause there in my recap, but boys, Spider-Man unmasking himself on live TV. I knew this did happen. Like I mentioned, I've, I've never read this Civil War event before, but uh, so I, I knew that this was a part of Peter Parker's uh, arc. However, it was just kind of shocking to see this happen. It it was for me, and I think I've said on this podcast that I'm not a huge Spider-Man lover like you guys are. I, I, I think he's great. He's not one of my absolute favorites. And it was shocking to me, to, even even not loving him as much as, as you all do, and, and seeing, like, man, that's how much was on the line and how, how far Tony was willing to go to get these people into this, uh, into this initiative was, hey... Peter Parker, the one who always, always, always masks who he is to protect his family. It's part of his first issue he's ever, ever went through. Uh, he even comes out and, and gives up his identity so that, you know, you can register. And that's how, that's how important it is. So it was, it was shocking. I do want to, uh, to say that, um, the creation of the Thor and the killing of Goliath, for me, was like the turning point of sides. Which I don't know if you guys felt this as well, but I was all the way Team Iron Man. Hey, it makes sense. They should register. They should be like, you know, good guys. You know, you know, they're good guys. You know that the, you know what they're doing. You know, it's like, you know. Police officers with unmarked cars, when they pull you over, you're like, is this a police officer? Is it not, right? Part of the thing with, with being able to, to see who's, who's helping you. Um, so I was all Team Tony. And then 
this Ragnarok clone Thor killed Goliath, and you're like, why? What? I don't like that. And then I completely flipped to the other side, and it's it it was like such a pivotal moment of for me in that in that set. I always tend to gravitate towards whatever side Captain America is on because I'm like, yeah, this is probably the right one. But um, to I, and he's usually extremely pro government, abiding by the law, sticking to moralities. But he he raises some great points that um, this this doesn't apply or this doesn't benefit the majority of the the masked heroes that he works alongside and when you kind of dictate that or or fully give that up over to the government then they can start deciding who the supervillains are too and uh if you're not necessarily in line with with what they're doing or what they're saying then uh you begin to to lose a bit of what the superheroes really stand for so um and yeah i think that uh kind of the experimentation of it and the creation of superhero clones was a, a big turning point as well too um I, th- I think that they took what could have been a good thing and really kind of just soiled it specifically uh reed richards just what a butthead yeah this was by far the biggest storyline in terms of like reality check for me i i think this the reason we read these comics and the reason I love reading, you know, just any story in general is to kind of remove myself from reality a bit and, you know, get lose myself in this different world. However, this story was like, if we had superheroes in real life, this is exactly what would happen. Like the government would get involved. They'd try to, you know, there would be this massive outcry from the public in response to something and, and where they want the government to take control of things. And with, you know, any sort of governmental control and and lots of power being uh, in the hands of a few people, there obviously always comes corruption. And then there are questionable decisions made like, you know, cloning Thor, using this cloned version of Thor who they clearly can't control because he immediately kills one of our heroes and, and there's just this immediate civil war. And I just got flashes of like, this is exactly what would happen if we had superheroes and supervillains in real earth scenarios. It was too real and too hard hitting for me, I think, this this entire story. But it is great. And I think the cool thing about this story is really, and I, I, I kind of mentioned it when we were t- talking about going back and forth. Really? Either side could be right if you look at it one way or another. You know, you you have the Thanos was right people out there, and they're wrong. But there could be like actual like arguments for. Well, you know, you see you see what Iron Man's saying here, or you see what Cap's saying here, and you can like bounce them back and forth. And I mean, as we go into the story, you see that too. You see the, you know, well. If you go with Iron Man, then superheroes could be at risk. All the bad guys know the exact address of all your loved ones. And if you go with Cap, well, then superheroes are unchecked. And you have what happened in literally frame one of the issue, which is some subpar superhero group start and go for fame over over righteousness or over justice. And they go and, and cause massive damage because they're reckless and they don't care and they're not checked. So it's like this balance of back and forth of what is right the whole time. And that's why, that's why I loved Civil War in the MCU. And that's why I, I really, really enjoyed this reading. And I love the way that they 
frame to here too, where they take two of the top leaders of the top hero team and basically force you to choose sides based off of which way you're leaning. And, and yeah, there's a lot of back and forth for the reader. I think that that's awesome. And some of my favorite dialogues that happens three or four times throughout this is that kind of just iconic frame of Captain America and, and Iron Man face to face um, right before battle, just kind of speaking general style, just spokesperson for each of their teams and just trying to resolve this with words before it all ultimately turns into somewhat of a superpower battle. Um, and so I've, I screenshotted quite a few of those. We interrupt this podcast for a brief word from our sponsor, Bo's Lack of Internet Connection. Bo's Lack of Internet Connection, bringing you random breaks in the podcast for three straight weeks. Now back to the show. Surprise script read. So if you guys check your, your inboxes on your telephonos, three people on this one. So we, we all get a little bit of a dialogue box as we read through this. Um, both kind of very important pieces of Captain America and Iron Man and that face-to-face dialogue like I talked about and from Spider-Man, who's currently on Team Iron Man in this frame as well. So, um, Brady, who would you like to play? I think it's only fair since uh, I said that Iron Man was the one that way that I was leaning. Um, that... I clear both of your consciences and uh, read Spider-Man. Okay, fair. And then I'll uh, defer to you for choosing between the remaining two. So it's either Cap or or Tony, I suppose. And I, I guess I will take Tony. You know, I've, unlike Brady, I immediately kind of jumped on the Cap side of things here. But I think there's a, a great argument to be had that, you know, to Brady's point, neither side is actually right. And both sides are kind of right. But I, w- I will take Tony and, and switch things up and I'll give you Cap, Bo. Okay. I, I do not mind being Steve Rogers in this particular situation. I'm, I'm a big Cap fan myself. So if you guys are ready, um, Brady, if you have the director's cut cue board or, or maybe just clap and we can pretend that you have one. <laughs> Um, let's, let's go ahead and, and set the scene. In this scene, Iron Man are, is speaking with Captain Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America. Spider-Man is leaning close by with the rest of the superheroes as they watch this encounter. And scene. Your paymaster's going soft, Tony? We didn't come here to arrest you, Cap. I talked S.H.I.E.L.D. into offering you one final amnesty. You mean a surrender? Thanks, but I think I'd rather take my chances. Oh, come on. The only people who win when we're fighting each other are the bad guys. Big man, this goes against every principle you ever believed in. Don't talk to me about principles, Spider-Man. I saw that little stunt you pulled on TV. Is Mary Jane happy about Sandman having her zip code now? Cat, please. I know you're angry. I know it's an enormous change from the way we've always worked but we aren't living in 1945 anymore. The public doesn't want masks and secret identities. They want to feel safe, and there's no other way to win back their respect. You've known me half my adult life, Cap. You know I wouldn't do this unless I believed in it with all my heart. We don't want to fight you. Just give me the chance to tell you our plans for my 21st century overhaul. I think I need to pause here and go uh, the next couple of scenes are Captain America glaring at the handshake that Iron Man is putting out and then staring up into the uh, sky 
where shield agents are hovering with uh, guns pointed at them in helicopters. You've got five minutes. Five minutes is all I need. All right, way to go, wingtips. Didn't I say this was all going to work out fine? What the hell? As as uh, Iron Man looks down at his uh, hand, he notices a what looks like a triangle-shaped bomb. It's a shield electron scrambler developed by Nick Fury's tech team in case you ever went over to the other side. Ugh. Ah. You shouldn't have taken down two of my boys, Tony. And see. And this is the prelude into the hand-to-hand fight between Cap and Iron Man. And I am very happy uh, you picked this uh, this scene, though, because it was like that moment where I was like, oh, okay, they're going to talk about it. We're going to see what happens. And then, you know, Cap one-ups Tony with the with the bomb on his on his hand. And I believe this is right right before Goliath dies. Is that right? right yeah. Before Thor comes in. He's he's alive oh. in that last frame that we just read, but but not for much longer. This is kind of right before it all happens, and it feels like the calm before the storm. You think that this might be the chance where they actually use their words, talk about it. I don't think I've ever seen a movie or a scene like this where like the two generals meet, and then they're actually like, you know what? No war here today. We're good. <laughs> I agree to your terms. Um, let's let's just go back home. But um, obviously, as we expected, this kind of turns into a battle. But it is it's interesting to me to see that Captain America, who I expected to kind of sit there and use his words and try to talk some sense into the rest of the team. This was this was a cool scene for me. And well read, guys. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Great scene selection, Bo, as always. I think that is a as good a segue as any into our next little segment here, which we'll get into the next portion of this story. So after Goliath dies, the the group faces the aftermath of this battle. You know, the this is essentially the catalyst that a lot of them needed to change sides. Uh, Brady included. Brady changed sides at the the death of Goliath as well. But we see movement going back and forth from from both directions, basically. Sue Storm leaves her husband, uh, and, and her and Johnny join up with Cap. Um, Nighthawk leaves Cap. He was one of the big members on Cap's team there. He goes to join Tony. And both sides are kind of just blaming the other for this you know, unfortunate death that happened. Realizing that he had made a mistake, I think one of the big changes to happen here, Peter Parker, suddenly, who just endangered his entire family by revealing his identity, decides that was a mistake. Let's also leave Tony. He confronts Tony, and the two of them actually have a brief fight before Spider-Man leaves, and uh, the movement just starts to shift in the advantage of Captain America. He's getting all of the numbers, and um, S.H.I.E.L.D. not wanting to lose Spider-Man to Captain America, they release this new version of the Thunderbolts to chase Peter Parker down, and we see an official government-backed group of villains with Venom, Bullseye, Jack-O-Lantern, um, a government-backed group of villains chasing down Spider-Man. He is saved by the Punisher, who then brings him to Captain America's Secret Avengers and reveals the Punisher has kind of secretly been, you know, backing up Captain America's group from the, the shadows this entire time, and he now officially wants in. So we we get some shuffling around in our groups here, and uh, I think the momentum and 
the numbers start to swing in the direction of the secret Avengers for Captain America. But the Punisher, finally, in in the uh, the story here, I think this is the first time we as a group have read a comic featuring the Punisher. Yeah, and I think my my biggest takeaway from uh, from that whole scene, and yet again, the thing that kind of brought me away from Iron Man's side was enlisting the bad guys. And I know they mention it a couple times in the comics and literally, like, submit my point, but, like, I saw that. I saw, like, you know, I think it was Taskmaster and Black Bolt, and I was like, I don't like this. I don't like what you're doing here, Tony. I'm not a fan of this. So Thor, the Thor re- recreation on top of the, you know, the enlisting of the supervillains to be, you know, kind of like contracts, contacts for hire. It was like, oh, it, it did, it did me, and I was like, nope, that was this, this event, and I was like, nope, I am cap all the way now, and it was is interesting. Yeah, I think this. I, I this love the reveal. Oh, go ahead, Joey. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, I think this particular stretch of the story really reveals, like I said, that kind of power governmental corruption side of things. Like when you when you have all of this in the hands of the government and in the hands of a few people, they may make some some questionable decisions. And one of those decisions is releasing the likes of Venom and Bullseye, Jack-O-Lantern especially, who has been... I think uh, if I remember correctly, he's like a spinoff of a uh, Green Goblin type supervillain, but they, they've just been nothing but bad and, and throughout their history. And our government is now saying, yeah, why don't you go hunt down Spider-Man? You know, the, the symbol of good and decency in the world. I was glad for, for two things during this segment here. One, this is where I expected Spider-Man to align kind of from the get go. His original alignment with Iron Man um, because it wasn't the side that I was on was weird to me because I was like, no, Peter, you're supposed to be on the team that I like. We interrupt this podcast for a brief word from our sponsor, Bo's Lack of Internet Connection. Bo's Lack of Internet Connection, bringing you random breaks in the podcast for three straight weeks. Now back to the show. That's exactly right. B was kind of like in the shadows supporting Team Cap um, as he came in and and rescue spider-man I, I think it's so funny when the punisher um people because it's like, oh these are killers and thieves and i'm like oh you murder a, a lot of people <laughs> and it, that's even kind of captain america's take on it as well too is like the punisher is not a good guy i don't know if this is somebody that we want on our team but it's he's just kind yeah, of that, that i'm wild pretty card. sure cap does at, at the end of the day he is fighting like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Cap does say exactly that, actually, in one of these panels. Like, that's rich coming from you, talking about, like, killing these people because they're killers. Like, you're talking about killing them because they're killers. Like, come on. But this leads me to, I think, the one point that actually shocked me, which this comic is so great because when you walk away, I think this was... a. Uh, I, I, we're, we're towards towards the end of it, right? We're towards we haven't revealed the final the final stuff, but we're towards the end of the series here that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, we got one little section left after this one, but this so goes I believe, through about the fifth of the seven issues, I believe. I believe I have, so. There's a point in the in the in the series when we're getting towards the end where Cap tries to bring in some bad guys. Are we there yet? 
Yeah, well, I, I actually didn't include <laughs> that specific scene in my recap anywhere, so we can go ahead and talk about that because, um, yes, that is kind of <laughs> the very quick introduction of Punisher to this team and then the very quick exit that he makes. Yeah, so this this is where I say the the it really caught me the the whole com the whole comic series where I was like, yeah, this is my favorite comic series I've read so far, and that's because. Right as, right as he as quick like Joey said, as quick as he enters, Punisher then leaves because Captain talks about bringing in some, um, some quote unquote reformed villains that just really you know they see, they see the way that you know that Tony's handling things. They see the outcome. They see the fact that crime's probably going to be way down in this new age. And they say, we're not for this. We, we, we disagree with them just like you guys do. We want to be a part of your guys' group. And Cap kind of initially like accepts it. And the second he says they'll be joining us, you see it flips to a panel and Punisher's guns out, blasting them. And it's like, oh, okay. Punisher's hasn't changed at all. Whereas Iron Man has definitely gone through some struggles and Captain America has definitely gone through considering he would, you know, side with consider siding with bad guys. But Punisher stayed true to his to what he is. And he if you are bad, he is going to kill you, which makes his gray, uh, gray stuff go. But and then Captain America and him get in a fight and immediately it turns into him beating up Punisher and Punisher not fighting back. And the, the 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 quote of the entire series for me was right after that, which is when Captain America asks, "Why aren't you fighting back?" And he goes, "Like my, my qualm isn't with you. Like I don't want to fight you. That's the whole point of this whole series. I don't want to fight superheroes. I'm here for the villains. And you guys are fighting each other. I'm not for that. That's why I joined you." And I was like, "Wow, that's that's when you walk away from a series." Or from a from a comic, and you go, the most morally like right person here is Punisher, like, or the one who has his 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 stuff together is Punisher. That speaks words to like how well this comic was put together. Yes, uh, exact decisions set aside, and in, in terms of how he handled the the supervillains that showed up. Yes, I would argue Punisher is one of our more like moral characters in terms of being able to look at both sides of this and say guys this is stupid we do not need to be having this civil war basically and i i thought one of the most gut-wrenching parts of this particular stretch was was sue storm leaving reed um we get a stretch of about one full page of a comic where it's just a letter that she had left to read because she couldn't bear to actually have this conversation with him face to face and so she leaves him this long letter explaining why she's leaving him, why she's going to side with Cap. She hopes it doesn't ruin their marriage. She hopes it doesn't ruin their family. Um, but she just can't take it anymore. And, and Goliath's death was was too much for her. But I did. I found it very interesting. And I wanted to ask you guys, uh, Bo, you you have a, a medical background of such. Let me let me ask you: Is there any truth to this portion of Sue Storm's letter to read, where she said? I didn't want your last memory of me to be tainted with all the blazing fights we've had recently. Hence, the oily fish dinner, good brain food, that's uh, question one of three, uh, the bottle of your favorite claret, 
or chloray, uh, an excellent antioxidant. Okay, that's question number two. And then making love one final time, good for the immune system. Bo, I do want to know from a medical standpoint, is making love actually good for your immune system? Well, since I know that fish is a good brain food and uh, that wine is is just good for the, the soul, I, I can't agree with the third statement. I can't disagree with the third statement. I feel like she wouldn't lie to somebody as smart as Reed Richards. I feel like she's just appealing to his kind of, I do these things that make normal people happy because of X, Y, and Z reasoning. And that, that whole letter sequence was really, really cool. Um, we haven't talked about much of the different teams. Like the X-Men are just staying out of this. And Frost is just like, no, not my people. The Avengers are smack dab right in the middle of this conflict that they're divided. But the, the divide between the Fantastic Four here, like that's that's your family. That's her literally deciding to up and leave her kids. We kind of see a coldness of Reed Richards, like never even goes to see uh, Johnny Storm. He's in a hospital after he's been beaten on the street. Uh, ben Grimm is kind of in support of Reed Richards for the majority of this, but from the shadows, just kind of not wanting to say much or get involved much. Um, but he does a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, to see her just decide to up and leave her husband, we can all that coming, but to like leave her kid with him too, to force him to kind of spend time with them. I was just like, Oh, that, that sucks. But yeah, to answer your question, Joey, I do believe that, uh, the love making, she, she did it just for his, for his immune system. Okay, thank you for confirming that that is indeed medically accurate. Okay. <laughs> and then, yeah, you, you mentioned the X-Men. They do make a very brief appearance. Uh, I think Tony goes to ask Emma Frost, or Emma Stone, as I like to call her, if she <laughs> would join up with, with Tony. And, and she's pretty much like, you realize this whole registration thing is like firmly against what the mutants believe, right? Like what we believe as X-Men. And she just... To your point, it's like we are staying out of this. I definitely yeah, yeah, I think that's an agreement with what <laughs> with what they do. But at the same time, I feel like that might have been like a writer's decision as well. Like uh, we've already got so many people in this story. Maybe we like talk about the X Men, but we don't fully include them because that's a lot of people to draw. <laughs> I like uh, that you, you you talk about about Sue Storm, and I kind of want to get into. Uh, after she she runs away, uh, her first assignment within the the secret Avengers is to recruit Namor, who, I mean, as we know from you know starting to read the old comics, was was that was a love interest before uh, her and her and Reed Richards actually hit it off. So uh, I thought that was interesting, and they immediately go into it as soon as I as soon as I think it, they're like. You know the sexual tension between Namor and uh, and Sue is uh pop, pops off from moment one, uh, where he he grabs he, he like grabs her by the chin and says, you know, I can feel your heart beating faster. So you don't have to lie to me when she says that you know she's not interested. And it's like, oh man, set up for the next Fantastic Four comic. So it's I don't know I. I just I like the tie-ins to uh, the older stuff that we've already read too, and it's like those one-off those one-off things that you know I cringed at back then. You're like, oh hey, they're they're still they're still talking about it. I yeah, did it was screenshot cool that interaction with Namor. <laughs> yeah, the, where he, he talks about oh, you, 
they're they're gonna send you here with your puppy dog eyes and, and try to take advantage of our unique relationship. Um, AKA we really have the hots for each other and they're trying to exploit that to get me to join your team. And guess what happens? He joins the team late in the fight. So <laughs> Cap's Cap's diabolical plan works. I think like I said, I think overall the the division is Personally, the division that you see in this in the comic section, I thought was better than the movie. And I do love Civil War. I think that they go into more depth in a seven-issue series of comics than they do in a two-and-a-half-hour movie, which is really cool, really interesting. For sure. The character development stuff in the comics is, is much deeper, much greater. And I think the movie is more just like, the coolness aspect of that one last battle at the airport in Germany that where you finally see the teams assemble on, on opposite sides. But let me read the, the last little recap here and we can just go free reign on, on the rest of this story um, and, and wrap up our thoughts. But the group prepares for, you know, another confrontation. Uh, the watcher, we get a brief uh, sidebar basically between the watcher and Dr. Strange where they're talking about, you know, Dr. Strange is his decision to kind of let this play out and he's not going to interfere. The watcher can relate. Uh, he knows what that's like, you know, even though watcher loves to interfere in things. Um, the, the doctor is, is hoping for whatever is best for humanity, but it, it seems clear he doesn't even quite know which side is, you know, the one he wants to come out on top here. Um, like you mentioned, Sue goes to visit Namor. We get the Atlanteans involved here. And heroes that have been arrested are, are being imprisoned in the negative zone where all of our heroes kind of assemble to square off in battle. And a huge battle ensues. Uh, during that battle, Cloak transports pretty much everyone into the streets of New York and out of the negative zone. So the fight is now in the streets of the city. Uh, Namor does join the fight, as you mentioned, and... Clone Thor, once again, is released. Ragnarok himself. Uh, Hercules pretty much quickly dispatches of, of Clone Thor, accusing him of being a false god. And uh, Cap gets his payback on Tony. Their situations are reversed. He finds himself standing over top of a fallen Tony, possibly able to end things right now. And then Cap is suddenly tackled by a bunch of what appear to be civilians, maybe police officers, basically non-superpowered beings uh, join forces to pull Captain America off of Tony. And in this, you know, shuffling of, of, of the fight here, Cap realizes, you know, they aren't fighting for the people anymore. They're simply fighting. You know, they're fighting each other. We get... Uh, panels of you know burning streets in the city um and, and cap decides you know morals aside this is clearly not what the people want um they don't want you know our superheroes being off on their own and, and fighting each other like this and he in a shocking move takes his mask off drops it on the ground and turns himself in as Steve Rogers, which I do believe will become important in the future of Marvel Comics here. He turns himself in as Steve Rogers, not Captain America, orders the rest of his troops to stand down, but uh, the bulk of them do. Some of them flee to Canada, uh, which was a fun little panel that we got there, and then um, 
there, there are a few that remain as a underground group of secret Avengers, such as Spidey and, and Luke Cage. But uh, for the most part, we get Tony's side coming out as the victors here at the end of this run. Um, but it is still unclear who was, you know, morally correct throughout all of this, or if either side was. But um, before I release it over to you guys for your thoughts here on the end, that scene of Cap finally re- like coming to the realization, I think was one of the most powerful panels that we got in this entire run of him saying, they're right, we're not fighting for the people anymore. Look at us, we're just fighting. Um, I think that could be a, a powerful lesson for our, uh, you know, everyday Americans these days. You know, we, we have this us or them sort of mindset on a lot of things, and it tends to lead to a lot of arguments and fights. But, like, at the end of the day, are we even fighting for, like, what's best, or are we just fighting to fight at this point? I thought it was um, really powerful there. But, boys, thoughts on, on kind of how this all wraps up? I I think you said it you said it well. I think that for me personally, right there at the end when when Cap when Cap realizes like this isn't, you know, this isn't what I want. This isn't for the people. This isn't, you know, we've lost our way. It goes goes back to what I believe was the most uh that uh, this, that was uh, for me that was the second most influential. But it goes back to the first most influential thing for me, which was indeed the the Punisher moment. Punisher's the only one who, who who stood by what he believed in. Tony Tony kind of got away for, gets away from you know the money driven guy that he is and 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 goes towards you know being the righteous one in his mind and uh, Cap gets away from from you know protecting America and instead goes towards you know superhero uh, uh, responsibilities and. When they finally get together and realize, like, hey, this isn't me, you know, this isn't what I fight for, it, it, it's a big moment. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. I, I, like I said, this, this I, said it, I said it earlier without going into detail, but this is my favorite thing that we've read so far. I really enjoyed the character arcs. I loved the, the good versus good. I think that's something that, you know, is super powerful when you have two sides that you could argue with. And uh, I I, I just love the whole thing altogether. I think specifically that panel of like just the everyday civilians hopping onto Captain America and holding him down and just him getting that awareness of like, wait, what is happening? Almost treating him like a villain in the situation. And then, yeah, that eye opening panel of, of him looking around, seeing the damage that they were causing. Um, it sucks. I had the exact same reaction that, that Spider-Man did. It was like, oh, we're so close. Like, we are winning this. This is everything we fought for. This is what we pulled this team together for. And and now we're just going to throw that all away, essentially. Like, we're, we're fighting for what we believe in. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, Captain realized that maybe that's that's not necessarily right. Um, so that, that was a cool kind of eye-opening moment for me. Uh, just... This, this whole battle in general, yeah, I think it ties up. What these events do really well is tie up for kind of the next runs of comics. They, they recap everything that's going on and then set up some really cool future stories. So as you kind of preluded to, Joey, like him turning himself in as Steve Rogers leads into a lot of the next major events and steps in, in Marvel Comics. Yeah, so I, I, is, 
Am I correct in assuming, Bo, that this is kind of the prelude to the next Captain America kind of taking on the mantle? Not to get the teasers for the future. For a minute. Yeah, I think it stays vacant for some time, but um, I can't remember exactly who takes up the mantle next. I have my my thoughts because I, I mean, in the comics, like the next to become is is it Bucky or is it Sam? I'm gonna have to do some googling, but um, yeah, we know that the Captain America mantle does not stay um, unaccompanied or or unfilled for very long. But yeah, I think I, it is I, just kind of that that point where the Avengers themselves like are Captain America lists for some time, and and it really does kind of. There, we know that this huge kind of underground secret Avengers or new Avengers team is is really kind of the lead moving forward. Yeah, and I think I could be wrong here as well because my my early to mid two thousands Marvel comic history is not up to snuff as it should be. But uh, I, I are we seeing kind of the first inklings of Reed Richards and, and kind of the Illuminati starting to form. Cause part of why Sue and him have such a massive falling out throughout this is he is getting involved in all of this secret stuff, secret governmental type things that he is treating as classified information that he can't even share with his fellow fantastic four and, you know, family member Sue, like he's keeping stuff from Sue um, working on all these top secret initiatives, and I, I got some some uh, massive Illuminati vibes from this because I know that the Illuminati does come about in this early to mid two thousands uh, Marvel uh, portion of history. Yeah, it literally comes straight from this. Um, the the actual Illuminati comics itself, and they play a huge role over this next year, leading up to the the next comic event that we're going to read after this, which is actually World War Hulk. And that is essentially exactly because of the Illuminati coming together and making that decision. Um, if it's not one that you guys have read before, this is going to be my first time reading this next comic event. Um, but I know kind of why it happens. Um, and that is just one of the bigger Illuminati just group decisions of what they think is better for everybody. So you see those key players that were a big part of this, um, like Reed Richards, Iron Man. I believe Namor is part of the original Illuminati as well. Um, you get Charles Xavier from as a representation of the X-Men. And then um, one, of, one of the bigger ones here, and one of the people that we keep talking about who was morally right here in this whole fight, Doctor Strange just decided to kind of sit aside that entire time. I mean, I, I don't agree with the not eating thing. That's a long time to not eat. I think he was going for like 40 days or something like that. But I, I get the approach of it. Um, but yeah, for him to just separate and realize that his involvement would help sway what was going on and nobody was necessarily right or wrong. Um, but basically the side that was right, he was just hoping for the event to have as little bloodshed as possible. And I mean, that was a, that was a cool kind of thing for the readers to leech on to is, um, we're, we're kind of the same opinion where we don't have any sway over that. We might have our opinions, but it's probably better for us to just sit back and watch things play out. Um, where some of the readers, myself included, I feel like my involvement in this was portrayed through the Punisher. Like his, his brief involvement was like, okay, let's get in there. Let's save Spidey, of course. Bring him to the good side. Uh, let's kill a couple bad guys. And then Captain America punches us in the face. And of course we don't punch back because that's Captain America. But this whole event was just so cool i really got to see some of my favorite players kind of shine in in their light 
we didn't talk about this segment, but um, one of my favorite comic characters is uh, Daredevil because I feel like he's just so straight edge and he's just kind of badass when it's important and and just kind of floats in the background for the majority of it. Uh, but that scene where they're in the diner and they're disguises and it's Hercules and Captain America, uh, Falcon and um, and Daredevil just in their everyday civilian disguises. I thought was a hilarious kind of undercover superhero thing that i have that screenshot as well but yeah yeah so many cool characters and so many different uh the, the way that the writers go about writing all these different characters into perfection is just it blows my mind it is well, super impressive and um just being of all the characters i mean it wouldn't be a crossover event without at least one awesome panel of everyone assembled all at the same time which i did send you guys a screenshot of here but we, we get that one panel before this last battle takes place where we see the division and we see, you know, Daredevil, Hawkeye, um, Cap, Hercules, Spider-Man, Cloak, Dagger, all of these people on one side versus, you know, Iron Man, Sentry, who didn't even come up at any point throughout this, uh, this run, may, may have been involved in some of the tie-ins, I guess. But, um, and then some of the bad guys, you know, Venom. Uh, we see uh, Hulkling, all of these people on on the side of Tony, but it's just one panel with you know all of the teams assembled right before they go into battle. Um, which Bo, I know you you love a good team up, and I have to ask, did this panel ever make it as your your phone background? <laughs> I, I definitely had a screenshot. I don't know if I said it as the background, but yeah, it's just to see everybody in that one shot is I love it every time that it happens in a crossover event. And as you kind of went through that character list, I think one of the coolest things of this whole um, aspect and the way that comics are being written at this time is that the the uh, what are they called? The Young Avengers team. Um, and really seeing the involvement of Hulkling and Wiccan and the new Kate uh, Bishop Hawkeye and Stature. And that's kind of what we were talking about with the MCU, of seeing all of those new heroes starting to develop. And their role in this was really, really cool and foreshadowing for what's going to happen. Yeah, and I wanted to piggyback off of your Daredevil so cool uh, thing, because that wasn't even my favorite Daredevil moment in this whole series. And I'm pull, pulling it up right now. but. When Daredevil gets captured and taken to the negative zone and he's just not talking and Iron Man's trying to reason with him and say, hey, you know, we can we can work this out. You know, he talks about the 50 state initiative and he talks about what's next. And, you know, Daredevil's just ignoring, ignoring him. And then the, the guards that are taking him says, hey, he hasn't said a word since we brought him in, but we did find this silver dollar under his tongue. And he says he's been saving it for you and he hands it to him. And Tony Stark is, I just don't understand. And then Daredevil breaks his silence for the one-liner, the big punch in the gut, and says, guess that's 31 pieces of silver you got now, huh? And just walks away and says, sleep well, Judas. It was like, oh, burn, boom, 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 down for the count. It was such a good, like, Daredevil moment. Like, I'm not going to talk. I'm I'm Daredevil. I don't care. I'm, in, I'm the, you know, I'm the knight. Here's your one-liner. Leave me alone. Get me, get me out of here. It was so good. It was one of my fa the favorite, probably top five favorite moments reading this. So, and such a good one-liner too. I mean, um, I yeah, with the thirty pieces of silver and the Judas reference, like that was that was awesome. But at the same time, like 
how corny if that would happen in real life. Imagine the preparation for that. He's like, okay, I got to go into battle now. And, oh, I can't forget my quarter. And keep that. And I put that <laughs> under my tongue. And just waiting for that one moment for him to say that. Like, superhero comics are kind of corny. But in the coolest way. <laughs> in <laughs> the coolest way. That, I'd be like, here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. And he's just so cool and composed and awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I was a big fan of it. Um, well, before we get into like our final wrap up stuff for this uh, this series, I did want to ask one last time, boys. I we've talked a little bit about how we wavered back and forth. I would like you to commit one way or the other: Team Cap or Team Iron Man, or are you taking the Doctor Strange approach and just fasting and, and sitting this thing out? So I'll start and say. My whole approach to even life is uh, the Doctor Strange approach, you know. I uh, I set a lot of arguments out and just let 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 people who have very strong opinions in it take um, take what they need, and and you know I, I help clean up the aftermath personally. But I'm gonna take the approach of this means something to me, and I'm in it. And if I was a superhero, I'd probably start. I'd probably pull a uh, pull a reverse, and I would do exactly what I said. I would stick with Team Iron Man from the start. I understand the you know the need, the secret identity. You know the people we're protecting want to know who we are. I mentioned the the reference to uh, the cops and undercover and the the unmarked cops, and your worry of is this a cop? Is this someone pretending to be a cop? And why that is important to me of like understanding, knowing who is prote- who is protecting me and who is you know trying to do harm to me, having that clear distinction. So I I think that for that I would have started with Team Iron Man, but as soon as something went wrong and one of my friends was murdered, I would have switched to Team Cap because that's not what I'm about. So my end result is team cap so you basically chose that you are (laughs) spider-man i am spider-man Bo, which side are you choosing here i you also chose team uh doctor strange so i think you chose everybody right i did choose everybody (laughs) but i chose them definitely (laughs) but i did finish and end on team cap but you were you were definitely thrown for some loops for this comic, which I think is exactly what it wanted you to do. So I, I think that you got a really good impression from this. I'm Team Punisher. I am not necessarily aligning from the get go with anybody. I'm watching from the shadows. I'm doing what I feel is right. I'm I'm kicking butt and taking names in the meantime. Um, when when it's important, I'm going to step up and try to join the team that I fully believe is right, which is Team Cap. Um, but at the end of the day, if you try to bring villains on a team cap, I'm I'm still team Punisher and I'm taking them out as well, too. So I'm going to take a third party approach to this. Um, if you had to choose one or the other, I'd go team cap, but I'm going to make team Punisher a choice and stick with my boy Frank Castle. That's that's very fair. I to answer my own question, I suppose I should do that and not just uh give a cop-out answer. I I feel like I would absolutely be Team Cap if I had anything at stake in this whatsoever. If I had superpowers of any kind and this was impacting me, um, I would not be a fan of basically being, you know, at my government's beck and call and submitting myself to be like a soldier in the government army that they are fully in control of telling me who to fight and when and where. Um, but in reality, if 
this situation did arise, I feel like I would just be on Team X-Men. I'd be like, you know, I, I, I don't believe in what you're fighting for here, Tony, but also I'm just going to kind of sit this one out and uh, <laughs> not take part in it at all. <laughs> However, yes, if I had to choose Team Cap, for sure. Um, I don't think my loyalty wavered at all reading this and in, in terms of where I, I thought I would fall. Um, although I, I do think the true moral of this story is that, like we've said multiple times, there is not a quote unquote right side. Um, and, and I think we can all take that and, and learn from it moving forward. Um, you know, there's a little bit of, of right on both sides and a little bit of wrong on both sides, but um, any uh, any other things that you guys wanted to mention in terms of the plot or reactions before we get into our, our wrap-up session? I think uh, I want to say, hey, Marvel, if you're listening, I know you're still creating comics. Uh, do more like this, please. That is all. I, I'd love to kind of throw this last question out there just to make this a repeating thing as we go through these events. But um, Brady, as as representation of the newbie again, I guess technically this is the first for both of you. but. Scale of 1 to 10 compared to previous Marvel readings. So if I'm comparing it to previous readings, um, I would say this was my favorite. I still just think it can get better personally. So I'm ready for, for that. I'm ready for it to get just a little bit better. Um, but I will say a solid 8.5. Okay, we're up Joey, from you 6. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, quite a bit up from the six. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of Brady here. I, I did not like this quite as much as I loved House of M. Um, I'm not gonna stick with my eight and a half that I gave that, but I, I, I did enjoy this. It, like I said, it, it was just a little too real and, and terrifying for me. It gave me way too many flashes to reality and what we see happen in our country just kind of on a day-to-day basis uh, it, for lots of different things but um, I, I'm gonna give this a, a nice seven uh, it's, a, it's a good story um, lots of good character development uh, things that I agreed with and disagreed with across the board for pretty much every character but um, overall solid story not my favorite but good good seven out of ten Bo what is your uh, your rating I'm definitely going up from last week. I'm going to be honest. I've read this, like I said, four times now and enjoyed it just as much, if not more, every single time. I personally have not read a crossover event that I've enjoyed more. Um, so I know that I'm going to leave a little room because as we check things off the list, I hope to be proven wrong. Um, but I'm going to go with a solid 9 out of 10. Like this is, this is top of the list for me. The only reason it's not a 10 is because I'm hoping that I come across that 10 in future readings. That was the reason for my eight and a half, but it does, it does make me, make me feel like if we ever revisit and re re rank, I might, I might bump this up because so far it has been my favorite, but we'll see what comes. I, I will say another thing being the MCU lover that I am, um, I wish the MCU would have waited to do the Civil War story. Because the big one of the biggest takeaways when I think about the MCU and think about reading a story, my biggest takeaway was, man, I missed that Fantastic Four development plot. And man, it would have been great to see these like different super villains that we don't even have in uh in in the MCU come come through and come to fruition. So I think 
I think I wish in the MCU would have waited. I get why they didn't, and they wanted to do a big splash, and it still is great. I'm not saying don't go watch Civil War. Civil War is awesome, but it, I think it could have been so much better. And maybe that's what maybe they're they're talking about it. Maybe they're thinking about it. Who knows? I've had that same opinion because, like, again, as we just went through uh, Multiverse of Madness and then uh, WandaVision and kind of relating that to how we just read House of M, um, I was like, oh, this would have been so cool with the X-Men and the, and the actual mutants involved. So I do like how the MCU is doing it. They're obviously introducing uh, more characters as they can. It sucks that we don't get our ideal huge Marvel universe in the MCU because of copyrights and things like that. But I think we are slowly getting there under that Disney umbrella. Um, so and with the Fantastic Four coming out, I read something that says basically um, to explain where they've been. This is like a time traveling Fantastic Four. Like they're coming. I think it said from the 60s. And they were like out in space or doing some kind of Fantastic Four adventure, which the Fantastic Four has done in the comics. They've kind of disappeared for stretches of time. And then just recently they came back with their newest run in Marvel Comics. So I think that they'll do some cool tie-ins. Really excited to see how they bring the X-Men and all of this. But yeah, just think of the crossover films and shows and stuff that we'll have in the future with all these different teams. I'm, I'm really excited for that. One second, real quick, boys. I'd like to. Oh, I missed the call. I was gonna. I was getting a phone call from my mother. I was gonna have her be a, an official first caller into the podcast <laughs> in in live time here, and get her thoughts on Cap versus uh, versus Iron Man. But I unfortunately waited too long to answer the phone. Sorry, mom. I'll give you a call back in a minute. Next next week, Mrs. Rich. Mrs. Rich would definitely be Team Cap. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> But I, I believe um, our next sort of wrap-up question that we've done each week, favorite character. Bo, let's start with you this time. Uh, I'm going to just stay consistent through all of it. With my team, I chose Team Punisher. I can't not choose Frank Castle as my favorite character. Um, it was brief. He, he didn't have a huge role in this, but at the same time, yes, he did. Um, I just, I, I liked his kind of, live by my own rules approach to this especially when everybody's divided up into teams and at like at the end of the day it, it's very unrealistic that you would either choose and ride with with one team versus another and, and split right down the middle there's there's some gray area there and who lives better in the gray than frank castle i hate you bo because you know I, I, my thoughts on that and the hardest part is with this series and picking a favorite character is it's almost easier to pick like a character that gives you the ick more than it is because everybody has that like that gray um i'll do the obvious one though i'll go cap the thing about cap is he is other than punisher the one who who does show you know even see for me and maybe i'm stealing joey's joey's thunder and, and ruining his pick and if i am i'm sorry but even with iron man you see like He's just not the same Iron Man, even at the end of the series, taking the mantle of, you know, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like, it's just something off about the Iron Man character, something off about him. And it just, it doesn't feel like any, any character really comes back to where they were, except the Punisher, who never really left, and Cap, where he comes back and gives it up and says, they're not arresting Captain America, they're arresting Steve Rogers. And that's the, you know, I, I'll go with Cap. To be clear, are you taking Captain America as your favorite character, or are you taking Steve Rogers as your favorite character? <laughs> uh, 
I'll take Steve Rogers, who is Captain America, because that's the way it should be. My uh, my favorite character. I mean, it's hard not to go Spidey here, but I I won't because I have done that I think twice already in this podcast. Um, but I thought about thought about also taking the Watcher because the guy just likes to show up and talk about things when they're happening. He's just like in that I, we didn't really talk about it, but there's very early on there's that one scene where they're like i forget who it is someone goes do you guys see this bald guy standing here watching us and someone's like oh yeah that's just the watcher he shows up every now and then (laughs) but i thought that was a quick little nod to like hey don't you love how everyone knows that the watcher's there and he kind of breaks his oath of not interfering all the time um however my favorite character i'm gonna take sue storm because the, the inner battle that we see, the letter, the note that she writes to her husband, we have to see her struggle with, you know, her own morals and whether or not those are more important to her than her family and, and her husband. And she has to deal with, you know, leaving the kids with, uh, with Reed and, and taking her brother and basically making sure he's safe and, and okay. And um, it's just a, a great inner struggle that we get to see with, with uh, Sue, who eventually does come back to read at the end. But um, she, I think she's going to get my vote for, for favorite character. Cause she does step in very unexpectedly before she leaves Reed. She does step in and, and basically save Cap's team, um, helps them get away using her, you know, force field powers to, to help them get away from the first battle of this series. But Sue Storm is my, my character of the week. So I uh, I was in a battle between Cap and Sue, and the and you mentioned the exact reason why I couldn't pull the trigger. I just felt like you know leaving your family is such that gray that gray area that I was talking about that every character has. That but it did mean so much to her that she was able to do that because she mentions and she says you know these are my kids I'm leaving you know it's it's you know it's not an easy decision i know they're going to be taken care of in with you but i can't be a part of this so i i like that pick it just i i i get it and yeah, right. she does come back i think a big piece of that was i we didn't talk much about this we talked about sue's dialogue but that huge i think it was several pages of reed richards kind of reaching out was that a phone call or a voicemail i think it was that he reached back out to her and just kind of poured his heart out and you don't get to see an emotional reed richards very often but yeah, I definitely thought you were going to pick Spider-Man there, Joey. I think Spider-Man was the obvious choice for everybody. I like that we're steering from that because he kind of does jump from team to team, and that's where they want the reader to be. I think the coolest character of this entire one was Spider-Man Suits. We got to see Iron Spider. We got to see Classic Spidey. And at the very end, we didn't talk about this, he shows up in his black costume. Uh, not, mm-hmm. the, not the symbiote costume, but just black suit Spider-Man, which is, which is sweet. I love all the different costumes that were involved in this and just kind of the span of time that this covers as well, too. Like, this was a long event for just, like, seven issues that we ran, but awesome, awesome reading all around. I will say the ending of everything where they kind of, like, you know, you know, 90 sitcom showed everybody and where they're, you know, what's happened to them at the end was really cool and i'm very interested to see you know where they go with it i the undercover uh what they, what they call them what was their group the undercover something with luke cage and spidey and i think that's going to be really cool to see uh as something some kind of spinoff of some way 
I loved seeing black suited Spidey there at the end when with the Secret Avengers, I believe is what they are. But um, yeah, the the reason he did not get my character of the week this week is because we were talking about you know people going against kind of their their beliefs and morals and Punisher being the one person that kind of stuck true to his morals. Peter Parker, the one thing that has been a constant for him is his identity and like protecting his family, not himself. He does he doesn't keep his identity a secret for himself. He does it because he wants Aunt May to be okay. He doesn't want villains showing up on her doorstep. He doesn't want Mary Jane, you know, he doesn't want Sandman having her zip code to to Cap's point. Like he he goes against everything he's ever believed in by you know removing his mask on live tv and i am very curious i'm gonna have to dive into this if we don't read through what happens if uh if we have like a no way home storyline where we have like a doctor strange like spell that stops people from remembering that that spider-man is peter parker because in modern spider-man runs he is back to his old self nobody knows who he is and i'm, I'm curious how they play this out in the the marvel <laughs> continuity there there actually is and i just saw a scene about this i don't, I don't know exactly where it comes but i know it is kind of tied into that far from home approach um but i saw this i have like a facebook page that shows comics out of context which i think is the coolest thing it's just like random pages pulled from comics and there's this one where everybody forgets the spider-man's peter parker except for the hulk and it's basically showing that like Hulk has like an elephant like memory where like he just can't forget anything. And even Bruce Banner forgets that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, uh, but the Hulk does not. And I, I don't know how it happens or when it happens, but I do hope we come across it. Because no. yeah, you and can't I, you can't just have Peter Parker be out in the open forever. They have to fix that somehow. <laughs> and speaking about finding out and moving on to what is next, our next episode is uh, a special one. That is going to be uh, put together by yours truly. And I have already have a great plan. Um, I am excited for it. And I am, you know, as, as Joey kind of gave last week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of a hint as to what we're doing. Um, but I am going to have you guys decide what you want the hint to be. It can either be about the structure or the content. So I need you guys to decide. Come to a joint decision. No civil war, please. Content. Bo, uh, you don't get a vote. I'm voting content. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> please, please voice your opinion. You gotta go content. Content all day. The content is about the 50 states initiative. Ooh. And we will see you next week for a Which, 50 states initiative special episode. Looking I love that, but I feel like we can't just end on the 50 states initiative without at least briefly recapping what that was because i don't think we really talked about it at any point but every state as a part of iron man's initiative is gonna have a superhero group uh some sort of group assigned to every state to basically oversee things going on there so that is is what we're referring to at the 50 state initiative it is and we will see you next week fellow listeners for a wonderful and exciting fun get together before we continue reading see Thanks, ya everybody Thank you for listening to another episode of Comics Over Coffee. Please be sure to join in again next Saturday morning for another exciting episode. If you have questions for the host or would like to be featured on an episode, please write in to comicsovercoffeepodcast at gmail.com. 
Special thanks to my fellow co-hosts, Bo and Brady, and a very special shout-out to our artist, Emily Rich. Kind of how the MCU took some liberties and well, thanks, Bo. But I'm going to go ahead and say cut real quick. What is going on with your audio, Bo? Wait, is it bad? <laughs>